Welcome to another edition of San Joaquin Spotlight. This is a public affairs broadcast airing on CMAC, Comcast 93 and AT&T 99. We're in the Fresno and Clovis area of California. We are also on Talk Radio 1550, KXCX. That's in the Central Valley of California. And finally, we are on Anchor FM. It's a product of Spotify on podcast. And those of you who have listened to this show for the many, many years I've done it, uh, have I've talked about how my family were survivors of the genocide and my dad ended up in uh, Iraq and he was born in Baghdad, Iraq. So I'm excited to talk to somebody today in Iraq. His name is Farhad Barakat. Welcome to the program, sir. Thank you so much, uh, dear aunt. I am really glad that um, like, I'm available to be with you. So I want to, I've been kind of following you on Twitter, and mm. I've been kind of seeing your posts and also seeing some of the posts uh, of people regarding what's going on in the Sinjar region. But before we go there, you're, tell me a little bit about yourself. Hmm. So, as I said that again, thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to talk a little bit about my people and about what's going on in the Sinjar and with the SD people. So, I am Farhad Barakat, uh, a person belongs to Yazidi community. Uh, I live in Sinjar City, which is northern of Iraq. Um, as a person, I graduated from Translation Department, College of Language. And uh, it's been almost seven years that I have been working with the local and international organizations related to the human rights and uh, peace building. So I, I just want to wish you and everyone who does the work you do the best, because it's not easy work that you're doing when it when it comes to human relations, when it comes to, you know, uh, being vocal and helping communities that need you. So first of all, a shout out to you and all the other people around the world that are doing the work that you're doing, because it's not easy. Yes, uh, Mr. That's uh, like happening with us and us. We have been uh, suffered a lot. So we as activists, we want to stand with our people and with our community that we can deliver their message on what they are suffering from. So one of the things I want to ask you about is this Progress for Peace or Progress mm -hmm. in Peace, a nonprofit mm -hmm. or an organization that's helping people. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, actually, it was in, in 2017 and 18, a group of our friends like uh, from throughout the world, uh, they were able to open um, a peace camp in the whole province in northern of Iraq, which is which is located in Kurdistan region. So after the camp that uh, we participated with them and after uh, like the valuable ideas and the things that we were uh, thought by them, like we were impacted by the things that they were doing. So us um, like the formal participants from the uh, their camp, uh, it was in 2020, um, a core group of like um, a small group which uh, was con contained from two Yazidi, two Muslim and two Christian. 
with three boys, three girls. We wanted to uh, make some difference from other organization. So we just wanted to uh, found an NGO, which is non-governmental non organization uh, in Sinjar to help the people of Sinjar and uh, to be able to be with uh, the youth and the vulnerable uh, families who are in Sinjar. Uh, they need uh, someone helps them and they need someone to uh, like support them in 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 their daily life also the like the main thing that we are working with which is peace building uh, this is like our main sub, uh, sector that we do also we uh, give training like educational training english training also with uh, computer and also we are trying to give uh, some protection activities in sinjar uh, with the thing that I said, which is business projects or business small grants for the families who are in need of uh, the things that we know that they are like um, they don't have anything, and most of the families that in Sinjar, like uh, like the breadwinners of the family were killed was 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 killed by the ISIS. So we wanted to be as uh, someone who be uh, with them and also to help them. The other thing that we are working officially and we got our registration certificate from uh, Baghdad as a government of Iraq uh, so that whatever we do, we do uh, to be official and that we are a part of social uh, development society. So uh, I want to talk about a few things that you mentioned. Number one, mm -hmm. these camps put things in perspective for us so someone who has fifty dollars or a hundred dollars us dollars mm -hmm. does that money go far in the camp how i mean I, I, the reason i ask you the question is because we have a lot of listeners who you know a couple of hundred dollars may not mean a lot to them but it means a lot to other people and so in these camps, if someone gave $50 or $100, how far will they go? Uh, like you you mean about the peace camp or the IDP camps? The peace camp. Yes, for the peace camp, actually, um, like for the participants, like who they were from abroad, um, actually they were like, they funded uh, themselves how to come uh, to Aragon to be participated um like we we have no idea about the amount of money that they spent from like about the peace camp that they had but also like we have in the future also we are planning to have some other uh, peace camp in Dehok and other uh, places in Iraq so that uh, like the purpose behind this peace camp we are gathering um activists Yazidi activists muslim uh, christian turkmen kakai and also with the like other gender which is uh, female and uh, like the best thing that we are like very happy to to it which is like foreigners throughout the world they come together as a group and they also uh, be a part of the peace camp which we they like they make diverse they make uh, exchange culture they they change uh, the background and the experience also, like they are trying to doing some something together. Maybe if someone is interested to do something for the Yazidi people and others, so that was the like point or purpose behind it. 
So what is needed right now in the Sinjar region? Uh, is it are the is there enough food? Is there enough water? Is there enough uh, clothing? Is, is do you need donations or or how can people listening to this program help you and help the Sinjar area? As for the needs of Yazidi people in Sinjar, and um, like Yazidi people, literally they need everything. And uh, as I said that most of the family or breadwinners of the families were killed by the ISIS. So now the orphans, uh, like a single woman and um, like the other who their financial situation is not that good. Actually, they are just like waiting for a small organization to go and to give them uh, a little, like a small amount of money. Uh, for the donation, actually, as YSD people, we need whomever wants to donate for the YSD people. Uh, there are like even main services in Sinjar, like um, like we are out about service uh, service in Sinjar. Like as for YSD people, and including my family, like since one thousand and seventy five, like nineteen seventy five, we have been buying water. Like our electricity is not that good. And uh, the other things like uh, schools are not that provided. Like the things that have been done lately and recently is by Nadia Initiative, Nadia Mara Initiative, or maybe you've heard about it. So they are doing a great job, but like there is still need for the ESD people. The thing and the genocide that was happened to the ESD people is not something to give someone like 100 or like $1,000. It's something that needs to be like rehabilitated to be reconstructed like so far more than 50 percent of sinjar infrastructure is collapsed and destroyed uh, like schools there are med school like there are med houses and rooms and like their doors is not that good and like everything is literally is collapsed so that's why we are as easy community we are asking Everyone who is able to donate and help the SD people will be so thankful and will be grateful. Uh, like something small from you will be something very big to a small family in St. Jar City. And, and I want to also talk about the 2,700 women or girls that are still missing. The last time I, I read this, it was 2,700. Is that true? There are still 2,700 women missing? Uh, yes, actually, that's true. And uh, we think that there are more than 2,700 uh, Yazidi women are in the captivity. Actually, we don't know about their places. Where are they? But as we know that they haven't been uh, released and returned to the Yazidi community. That's why, like, the number, some of the family, like, we didn't know, like, all the family were killed by the ISIS. That's why we don't have that much of the information. But as the statics that we have, more than 2,700 Yazidi women, children, and girls that are in the captivity of ISIS, they are still missing. Um, we think that like, um, it's very difficult for them, and they need to be re reunited with, the, with their families, with their community. And also, this is one of the other like uh, demands that we have as Yazidi people. We just want to like deliver our message to international community to do a committee or do something for these uh, missing girls, missing women, because they have been waiting for someone to go and rescue them from the ISIS of, uh, like the captivity of ISIS. Um, yes, like it's very difficult. 
You are listening to San Joaquin Spotlight, a public affairs broadcast airing on CMAC, Comcast 93, and AT&T 99. We're also airing on Talk Radio 1550, KX, EX in the Central Valley of California. We're also on Anchor FM, a product of Spotify. I'm your host, Sevag Tatiosian. Our guest this week is Farhad Barakat. He's joining us from northern Iraq, the area of Sinjar. And for those of you who remember, this was an area that ISIS took over and terrorized. We're talking about the Yazidi people. They live up north, and they live throughout the Middle East, but they live up north in Iraq. And so, Farhad, tell us a little bit about where ISIS came from to take over this area. Uh, like us, ISIS maybe is not known by some of the people. So, us ISIS, it stands for Islamic State of Iraq and Syria, and also some of them they and like they identify or define it as Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant. So it's a Sunni jihadist group with a particularly violent uh, ideology that calls it, itself as a khali, uh, caliphate and claims religious authority over all Muslims. So this group. Uh, as they want to follow the Sunni jihads and Sharia, and also like they were inspired by the organization like Qaeda. Uh, so the thing that they wanted to do with the Yazidi people and other minorities, they want to like apply the caliphate, the the, the Islamic Sharia. Uh, that's why like it was founded almost like in 1990 uh, in these uh, years. And uh, the other thing that they did, so they, like their main uh, headquarter was in Raqqa. And uh, then after that, on th- on 10th of um, June in 2014, they were able to go and attack some of the uh, bases of Iraqi security forces in Mosul as a Nineveh province. So us Muslim is a Sunni, most of them are the majority of them, the Sunni Muslims. So they wanted to welcome the ISIS. Uh, like most of them, they welcome ISIS, they helped ISIS, also they joined the ISIS. So after ISIS took over like all the Nineveh province and Mosul city and ISIS, like the security, Iraqi security forces, they left behind all the weapons, all the things that they had. So after the like the uh, taking over on on Mosul, they were able to have a like a big power, a big uh, background with, with the weapons and with like a group of people. Like their population and their number was increasing day by day. So after that, they they went to Tel Afar as a subdistrict, which is near to Sinjar, about uh, thirty minutes. Like Tel Afar is mixed from uh, Sunni Muslim and. Shia Muslim. So after they attacked Tel Afar, Sunni Muslim also they moved, they joined ISIS, and the Shia Muslims they displaced it to Sinjar city. And as the people, we welcomed the uh, Shia Muslims, and we just feed them and we gave them everything, like literally everything. So after that, Daesh and ISIS they took like over all the areas around Sinjar. So Sinjar was the same, like the only place that was left, uh, was not uh, controlled by the ISIS. So as there were um, like security forces in Sinjar, where Iraqi security forces with Peshmerga, 
uh, we thought that we will be protected by the security forces. And after like they attacked like the border village in Sinjar, uh, as Sinjar district, which is not Sinjar city. So like the, the security forces withdrew from Sinjar and yes, the fighters were fighting ISIS with their symbol and small weapons, which was not enough to defeat ISIS. So yes, they, after they attacked Yazidi people and like the families were left behind, some of the families who were able, including my family, we went to the Sinjar mountain, which is near to us. But for all the people who uh, their village were far from Sinjar mountain, we were not able to uh, reach to the mountain and ISIS uh, took over to them. Uh, Yazidi, I mean, Yazidi people, Shia Muslims with Christian, uh, these were the minorities in Iraq and in Sinjar area were um, abducted and kidnapped by the ISIS. And as you know, that they did many bad things to them. And like in, I don't want to go further information as if you have a specific question. So what I was in preparation of this interview, I know that there's been a lot of these victims, these girls found. I saw a video online that some of them were chained into in a tent on a mountain. Mm. Where do where do we think that they are? I mean, are they still in Iraq, you think? Or did they go to Turkey or did they get moved? What's the thought on where they are? Are they did they, you know, are they in Europe? Are they in America? Uh, as uh, for the Yazidi women and children that have not been rescued yet, so uh, some of them, we think that they are in uh, Al Hol uh, camp in Syria, as there are uh, their uh, ISIS families with their children living there. So we think that there are Yazidi women and children, and they are afraid to identify themselves as Yazidi. And some of them, they are just like brainwashed. Uh, they cannot remember why they were Yazidis and like were the like the family of ISIS. That's why it's very difficult to uh, to know them because it's been almost nine years. And uh, as for the location, it depends on the ISIS uh, movement. If they are staying in Iraq, if some of them uh, they are staying in Iraq, then the Yazidi women will be in like some of the parts of Iraq. We don't know exactly where because uh, after uh, like days by days and as we have been seeing in news that Yazidi women and children, they have been found in some of the provinces in Iraq and also they have been found in Syria like most of them they have been come from Syria and like some of them have been rescued from Turkey and uh, like there were some news and information that some of them were moved to Yemen like we think that the ISIS fighters were moved some of them to their countries and with no account accountability from their government uh, that's why we think that they took the Yazidi women with them as well and in this case, it will be very difficult to find them again. Why do you do what you do? This is a very hard project. I mean, it, it's it's work that's very, very hard. It's very touching. And it's emotionally draining work. This is some of the things that you're telling me are the same things that I'm remembering my grandpa and my great-grandparents tell me what happened in Armenia or Eastern Turkey. Hmm. Why do you do what you do? I mean, you're so passionate about 
this? Why why do you do that? The purpose behind it because I belong to this uh, community and this religion and as Yazidi history, uh, we have been faced more than 74 genocides during the history. And as a minority, like we were like, like the Yazidi population throughout the world was not 1 million or 2 million. Uh, the population, it was more than 80 million. And from the genocides and the massacre that we had uh, by like by neighbors and by the one who wanted to kill us, we right now we are the number of like our number is like between 1 million or 2 million. The thing that we want to like uh, have a fence, have a barrier among things and have limits from this. Uh, we want to be protected. We don't want to be uh, targeted anymore. Uh, as yesterday people, they have been like uh, known throughout the world that they haven't hurt anyone. They haven't did, like they haven't done anything bad to anyone. They just won't live peacefully. Once like right now, the president of Kurdistan region, um, Mr. Nechif Barzani was talking about the Yazidi people. He said that I am looking at Yazidi people. They don't want anything. They don't want any seat in the parliament. They don't want any high position in the government. The thing that I have been noticing from the Yazidi people, they just want live. They just want to live peacefully without any conflict, without any like war, what without any like like something hurting them. That's why the thing that we are. As Yazidi activists, we just want to deliver the Yazidi message. And what had happened to the Yazidi people is not something like small or something is simple. We just want to like uh, acknowledge all the all the people who have no like who have no idea about the Yazidi people and how we were persecuted by ISIS. And still, like I mean, there is something. This is like this is a term that I want to say it literally. The genocide is still ongoing. Which I mean that there are still more than two hundred thousand Yazidi people are living in IDP camps. Their life is like is similar to the hell. That's how we mean. And also, there are Yazidi women there in the captivity of ISIS. Even right now, Yazidi people they just like they got bored from Iraq. They wanted to find um, like a new life. They went they went to Turkey, and from Turkey they went like by smugglers by illegal ways. They went to Greece, and in in Greece also they are living in in camps. Their life is totally difficult, and like that's why, like I, I say that genocide is still ongoing. More than sixty percent from the central infrastructure is collapsed and like destroyed. Like many many th many difficult things have been happened, but as we see that there is no response from anyone. We're running out of time this week on the program, and I would love to have you back in several months to give us some updates from the region. But is it safe for Americans to travel? Like if someone's listening to the show and says, you know what, I want to go view firsthand, whether it's media or whether it's, you know, someone who who cares about the community. Is it safe for them to go to travel to Sinjar? Uh, as the current time, actually, maybe they will not be able to come to Sinjar as Sinjar is full of conflicts in, in the land of Sinjar city, which not one uh, force is controlling Sinjar. But as for the Kurdistan region and IDP camps, they are always welcomed. And I, we can't totally tell them that the, like it's safe for them to come and to see the life of yes, the people in IDP camps. Also, some of them, they are living outside of 
of the camp. Like some of them, they have like set their own camp outside the like the the government like the governmental camp, which is not official. And even the camp, like they need everything. They need all the services. And even like some of them, they say that it's been like almost two months that we haven't uh, get any like it's um, from the organizations as. They were um, supervised by the UNHCR, but now they have been uh, like supervised and sponsored by the Barzani Charity Foundation in Kurdistan. Uh, that's why, like, they get something, but it's not enough for them. It's very like it's very low, I can say, and they need many things to be uh, to be done for them. As uh, like like the Yazidi people and families who are living in IDP camps, they say that we won't come back to Sinjar. But in condition, what are the conditions? We need security, we need safety, and also we need to re rebuild or reconstruct our houses because their houses are, like, are destroyed. This is the reason that is the people, they have not returned yet. They want to have a guarantee to be done to them, and then they will be able to come back again. On that note, thank you so much, Farhat Barakat, for joining us on Sam Joaquin Spotlight this week, and good luck to you on all of your future endeavors. Thank you so much for having me, Mr. Seba. That's all for this edition of San Joaquin Spotlight. Thank you to the audience members watching this broadcast on Comcast 93 and AT&T, 99 in the Fresno and Clovis region. Thank you also to those watching or listening to this broadcast on Talk Radio 1550 KXEX in the Central Valley of California. And to those who are listening on the World Wide Web, Anchor FM, a product of Spotify. I'm your host, Sevag Tatiosian. Our guest has been Farhad Barakat. He is in the Sinjar region in North Iraq, and he's helping, trying to help locate these missing girls, and trying to bring recognition to what's going on in the Yazidi community. Tune in next week to a new edition. This program was made possible in part by FaceLogic Essential Skin Care and Spa in Clovis.